Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Why didn't they go in to the school? Our agents acted swiftly and very heroically. Police officers trying to control the families. There's a lot going on. Did they do enough? We'll find out. The NRA convention will proceed in the city of Houston this weekend. Protests. We will not tolerate destruction of property. Restrictive gun laws. Will there be more executive actions? Same old tired talking points. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome into Memorial Day 2022. Lots to talk about as uh, we kick off the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, The situation down in Uvalde, Texas uh, continues to... um, the story and the timeline continues to change. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw said earlier today when asked why police at Robb Elementary School didn't engage the shooter immediately, said the on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a ba- barricaded subject. A decision was made on the scene. I wasn't there, he said, that this was a barricaded subject situation. There was time to retrieve the keys and wait for a tactical team with the equipment to go ahead and breach the door and take on the subject. At that point, that was the decision and that was the thought process. Texas Governor Greg Abbott came out later this afternoon and said he was misled by authorities and he is livid about the events surrounding the Uvalde school shooting. I was misled, he said, during a news conference saying that he had received inaccurate information. In fact, there are stories out that local policemen there did not allow parents to try to go in and retrieve their children from the shooter. And uh, there, there's going to be, unfortunately, uh, a lot of finger pointing and there's probably going to be some lawsuits to boot. The Daily Wire is reporting that local police on the scene at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde stopped elite Border Patrol agents from entering the school when they first arrived as the shooter murdered 19 children and two children and two teachers, I should say. According to a report from The New York Times, Border uh, Patrol agents arrived on the scene far earlier than er, than first disclosed, but they were stopped by police from entering the elementary school. Quote, officers described a harrowing series of 911 calls, including some calls made by children inside the school when special equipped federal immigration agents arrived at Robb Elementary School. Local police told them to hold off from confronting the gunman. Initially, authorities reported that the Border Patrol agents didn't arrive until 1240, nearly an hour after the gunman entered the school and started firing multiple rounds of ammunition. A new report from officials claimed the Border Patrol agents arrived at the elementary school much sooner, but were held back from entering the building until 1240 when they went in and killed the shooter minutes later. Parents have expressed frustration with law enforcement officials over how they handled the active shooter situation immediately after arriving on the scene. Uh, As you can imagine, the... uh, liberals progressives of the world continue to come out and point fingers and blame guns uh the news and observer is reporting today that uh, um and by the way there is the nra convention down in houston texas which gets underway this weekend and there have been some people that were slated to speak republicans that were slated to speak at the nra but 
they've decided the easy way out, the coward's way out, perhaps, that they're they're not going to go there because it wouldn't be politically expedient to defend the right to bear arms. However, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is scheduled to speak, and as far as we can tell, he is going to speak, as is Donald Trump. Um, multiple high-profile uh, Republicans have scaled back or canceled their plans. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is still expected to attend, according to the News and Observer. Quote, this is not an official event, but to my knowledge, he is attending, said John Wall, a spokesperson for the lieutenant governor. Robinson is one of several Republican politicians who were announced earlier this month as speakers. The NRA's decision to move ahead with a three-day annual gathering as planned has come under intense scrutiny. Of course it is, by the wokes, by the progressives. Robinson said in a statement on Thursday that the shooting in Uvalde was pure evil. He said that he was praying for the parents and the families. Quote, no parents should have to fear when they drop their kid off in the morning that they won't be coming home that afternoon, Robinson said. Former President Donald Trump, the headline speaker at Friday's event, confirmed he was going through with his planned appearance in a post-social media platform on Truth Social. On Thursday, Greg Abbott canceled his plan to attend the forum. Now, I'll give Greg Abbott a, a, a buy on this. I mean, his hands are full. It's not that he's embarrassed. I don't think it's that he's embarrassed to be at the NRA convention. It's He's over in Uvalde taking care of that situation. Ahead of a speech in the North Carolina Democratic Party, uh, ahead of Robinson's speech, released a letter signed by 760 parents addressed to Robinson stating that Thoughts and prayers are not enough. And that Robinson's appearance at the convention would show that he is beholden to the NRA instead of protecting North Carolina children. Quote, we demand to know how many children do you need to see gunned down, communities torn apart, and lives upended before you will finally decide to put lives ahead of the gun lobby. Listen, bottom line, had there been an armed resource officer at the school, well, frankly, had there been the doors locked, but had there been an armed resource officer at the school, or for that matter, a well-trained armed teacher or administrator, had they been armed, chances are, I'm not saying that no children would have been harmed or killed, but chances are it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. And, and here's the other thing. They're, they're blaming guns. They're blaming guns. This 18-year-old, uh, he did his evil act with a gun. Daryl Brooks, do you remember that name, Daryl Brooks? He's the guy that drove through that Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, with an SUV. He ran down 50 people. Some he killed, others he injured. Was So was Daryl Brooks's act was that somehow more compassionate because he didn't use a gun let's blame the gun let's let's not call this individual that did this evil let's not look at him as the evil person that he is let's let's look at the gun the gun is evil anybody that wants to defend the right to own a gun is evil um interesting story out today out of West Virginia. One courageous woman was a bystander 
near an area where a party was being held in Charleston, West Virginia. She took matters into her own hands when a man pulled out an AR-15 style rifle and started shooting at partygoers. The woman yanked out her pistol and shot the man to death. Instead of running from the threat, she engaged the threat and saved lives, said Chief of Detectives Tony Hazlitt. He added the woman would not be charged. No one else was injured after Dennis Butler, 37, started firing into the crowd. Apparently, this guy was speeding through the parking lot of this apartment complex where there was a birthday party going on. And these, these are parties with kids. And then there was a high school graduation party going on with, you know, older kids, but still minors. This guy goes tearing through the parking lot and somebody said, hey, buddy, slow down. There's, there's activities going on. There's parties going on. This nut job goes back and gets his AR-15, comes back, climbs into the back seat of his car, rolls down the window, and starts shooting at people. This woman, who was not a part of the party, either one of the parties, she's armed. She pulls out her pistol and takes the guy out. Uh, case in point. So, yeah, was there a bad guy with a gun? Yeah, but there was a good woman with a gun who was well-trained. She took the guy out. Guess what? Instead of 19 people dying, there was one person dying, and that was the bad guy. Again, I go back to what I said earlier. Had we had an armed resource officer at this school or an administrator that was armed? Remember what happened down at that church in Texas? I mean, this has been, what, a year and a half, two years ago? Some nuts started shooting up the church. A guy across the street from the church heard about it, heard what was going on. He got his gun. He went over there and shot and killed the guy. Oh, but let's not arm anybody. <laughs> Listen, your, your stupid gun laws. I, I mean, they're, 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 I, I, I'm for gun safety. Hear me clearly. I'm for gun safety and gun training. But the idea... That the, the criminals are going to obey your laws? Have you lost your minds? <sighs> Fox News is... Re- but you know what? Let's go ahead and take a time out. 561-8255. Uh, we got a, a special guest coming up in a little bit. Got a lot to talk about here on Friday's program. But let's go ahead and take a time out. More news and views coming up right after this. First thing you should do after work, I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard? Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. Hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. Let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in Memorial Day 2022. Memorial Day is an American holiday observed the last Monday of May, honoring the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. Originally known as Decoration Day, it originated in the years following the Civil War and became an official federal holiday in 1971. 
The Civil War, which ended in the spring of 1865, claimed more lives than any conflict in U.S. history and required the establishment of the country's first national cemeteries. By the late 1870s, Americans in various towns and cities had begun holding springtime tributes to countless fallen soldiers, decorating their graves with flowers and reciting prayers. Memorial Day, Declaration Day, gradually became known as what we celebrate today, Memorial Day. Originally honored those lost while fighting the Civil War, but during World War I, the United States found itself embroiled in another major conflict, and the holiday evolved into commemorate American military personnel who died in all wars. Therefore, very fitting and appropriate on this Memorial Day 2022 that we get the opportunity to speak with retired Major General Clay Huttmacher, who is the president and CEO of the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. And they have seen to, uh, among other things, if if I'm reading this right, they have financed the college education for 448 children of fallen special operators um, through their funding. Um, Clay is with us now. Clay, thanks for joining us, and thanks for what you do. Well, thank you for having me on, sir. I appreciate it. Tell us exactly, uh, get, get into some of the details of your organization, Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Yes, sir. The uh, organization is just over 42 years old. We were established in the aftermath of a failed attempt to rescue 52 American hostages held in Tehran. As most people know, remember that that ended in disaster, losing where we lost eight Americans, three Marines and five airmen who left behind 17 kids. And the, the other members of that hostage rescue task force made a commitment then and there to fund the education of those 17 kids. And from that battlefield promise is how this organization was established. And today we're committed to funding just under a thousand kids. And like you pointed out, we've had 448 graduate from college, more to come as we get out of school this summer. And we start with college is a big part of what we do, but actually we start in preschool. So we call it cradle to career. We fund every step of the way for these kids. We recognize the trauma they've been through in their service and sacrifice as children of our fallen. And now, as in, since 2020, we also cover the children of Medal of Honor recipients. So we're here for them every step of the way. It, first of all, it's hard to believe it's been 42 years since that helicopter went down in the desert under uh, Jimmy Carter's administration. I'm not blaming that on Carter, uh, but I'm just it's hard to believe that it's been 42 years. But um, how did you get involved with it? And uh, who who was the who? Somebody usually, you know, it's an individual or maybe one or two guys getting together on a casual basis and reminiscing over someone who was lost and said, "Let's do something." But give us the genesis of how this got going. Yeah, just, uh, you know, with they, the force had redeployed from Desert One, that air, that desert ground refueling site in the middle of the Iranian desert, back to Oman, and right there on the ground, they essentially passed the hat and hmm. said, hey, we're going to take care of these kids. And from those humble beginnings, from that promise, you know, it's grown over the years. And frankly, I, 
I did almost 41 years in the military. I started as a private in the Marines and then retired as a uh, major general out of U.S. Special Operations Command and had no intention of going into a, well, had no idea that I would be going into a, uh, a nonprofit. But when I heard that this position was opening up, the CEO position, I threw my name in the hat because I saw personally the positive impacts this organization has had on the families that I served with uh, as a commander of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. They were there for them and continue to be there for our families like no other organization I've ever seen. We're talking with retired Major General Clay Huttmacher, who is the president and CEO of the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. How can our folks get involved? I know you've got a website, but if, if they want more information, if they want to contribute, I, I'm assuming uh, 100% is donations? Yes, sir. 100% is donations. And they can go to our website, which is specialops, specialops.org. And all of our financials, all of our more detailed information on our programs is all in there um, and ways to give as well. And, uh, you know, and that's that's really the best way to learn more about our foundation. And by the way, for our listeners, you know, I'm unfortunately we live in a day and age that there's so many scams going on out there that you've got to be cautious and I went to the Charity Navigator, which evaluates nonprofit organizations on their financial health, including measures of stability, efficiency, sustainability. They also attract transparency and accountability. And, uh, boy, you guys knock it out of the park. I mean, they, they gave you year after year after year four stars, which means you are exceptional. And they say, hey, you know what? You can give to this organization without any hesitation. So congratulations on a well-run organization. Well, thank you, sir. Stewardship is one of our core values, and we take it very seriously. We're going to, you know, we're committed to being good stewards of the resources we're provided. Along with the financials, I mean, obviously you're you're writing checks, which is huge. How else do you get involved with these uh, kids, as you say, from basically kindergarten through? Uh, through college, how else are you involved in their lives? Well, we run various programs. Um, one that we're running next month, we run annually as a program we we call EPIC, which is Education Planning Information Conference. And it's really a college prep course. It's a week long. The University of Tampa generously donates their dorm rooms, and we bring our kids in, and we teach them financial management, study skills, have conversations with them, with professionals, ed- education professionals about what to consider with when they're selecting a major or a school. And there's just a lot of mentorship that goes as part of that. And our mentors are actually graduates from our programs that have just that have volunteered to come back and pay it forward. So we have kids that are out of college now coming back with that common experience of a loss like these kids and i mentioned that those we have a few medal of honor kids in there about 46 today to date but the majority of our nearly thousand kids are children of fallen special ops personnel and you're headquartered in tampa yes sir right outside of u.s special operations command on the air force very good well listen i mean that's that's uh 
quite a uh, tip of the hat when you have people that have been helped by your program and they say, wow, this is effective enough that I'm going to come back and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help the next generation. And uh, again, 42 years into it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the Lord's using your work, and uh, we do appreciate what you do for these men and women who have uh, you know given the last full measure. Yes, sir, and I'm honored to be a part of this organization, and I really appreciate you having me on. You bet. Again, it's specialops.org, specialops.org. What a great thing to do on Memorial Day. You know, folks around Memorial Day, it's like, I, I want to do something, but, you know, how can, I, you know, if, if you weren't in the military, if you— yeah, most of us have military uh, in in the sense that somebody in our family was. But you want to give again what a, what a great tribute it would be to uh, invest in the lives of the son or daughter of someone who uh, again gave gave it all for their country. Thank you, sir. And uh, you know, it's certainly had a, has a dramatic impact. We have a dramatic impact on these families, and I think you know what I share with people is I have three sons. And uh, if something happened to me, that would be my wish, that this or- that an organization just like this would be there for my kids, give them the opportunity to reach their full potential. Exactly. Clay, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Happy Memorial Day to you, and uh, thank you for what you and your organization, Special Operations Warrior Foundation, is doing. Thank you, sir, and have a great weekend. You too. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Understand. From your street to Wall Street. Facts matter. A joke. Raised a lot of alarm bells. Recession fears. To Pennsylvania Avenue and around the world. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> We're bringing you the news that counts. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Tonight, uh, possible passing thunderstorm and a low of around uh, 67. The... Um, Weather Service actually says there's a tornado watch still for Hyde, Terrell, and Washington counties. That's until 6 p.m. Here in where our studio is in Greenville, uh, the sun's trying to come out. It looks like there's another one more small band of rain that might come through in the next couple of hours. Uh, Tomorrow, the sun comes out after some uh, morning clouds, high around 85. Tomorrow night, a low around 61 with clear skies. Sunday, sunny, along with a few afternoon clouds, a high of 87. And then on Monday, lots of sunshine, a high of 88. So all in all, after today, it looks like a pretty good uh, Memorial Day weekend. President Joe Biden spoke at the graduation at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, earlier today. And the guy can't help himself. What happened? (laughs) Good question, Joe. Um, So during his speech, Joe, who is notorious for making things up, now whether or not they're actually real in his mind or whether or not he knows he's making them up, we'll never know. But he, uh, during his speech, 
came out and said, I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 40 times, maybe 38 times, he said. Um, It's not. Uh, According to his own National Security Council, the correct number of times Biden has visited Iraq and Afghanistan is 21. Again, this is not the first time this guy does this kind of stuff. I mean, there's numerous examples. Why would you lie about something like that? I mean, frankly, 21 times is pretty impressive, Joe. What what is it about you that you've got to exaggerate? You know, you, you're talking about the number of times he was on the train going back from Washington to Delaware, and he won, was supposed to get some national award because he said, oh, I've been on this train. I've done a million miles on the train. You know, no, you haven't. <laughs> but, you, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I guess people out there say, well, what does it matter, Tom? I just the guy's a chronic liar is the problem (laughs) anyway i you know and now does he realize it that he's lying i don't know probably not and uh to to that end let me take you to a, a new harvard harris poll which finds that only 47 less than half of america believes Joe Biden is mentally fit to serve as the president of the United States. 53% have some pretty big doubts about his fitness for office. Amongst those independents, 61% don't think he's fit. It also finds 62% of Americans believe that Joe Biden is showing he's too old to be president, 38% believing otherwise. Among independents, those numbers are 72% that thinks he's too old. Um, interesting poll, a lot of interesting numbers. Uh, again, 53% don't think Joe's mentally fit to serve. Come on. 62% thinks he's way too old. Most voters do not approve of Biden in any given area except for COVID, which COVID at this point is a non-issue. In January of 2021, when he took office, he got a 61% approval rating on the economy. Today, that's down to 35%. Stimulating jobs, he was at 58%. That's down to 44%. 44% is pretty generous. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, Fighting terrorism, when he took office, 59%. That's down to 41%. Immigration, he was at 56%. That's down to 38%. Foreign affairs, he was at 61% when he took office. That's down to 40%. I mean, all these numbers are just plummeting big time. Some other interesting questions that this poll asked. Which institutions do you think, do you, you view as most favorable Interestingly, the U.S. military was the most favorably viewed at 45% in terms of very favorable. If you take very favorable and favorable, they were actually 79%. Now, interesting, with all the bad-mouthing of the police departments that the media and the the mainstream media and the uh, progressives give, Police had a 69% favorability viewing by America. Interestingly, after the military and before the police, 
Amazon. <laughs> I don't know why they were even in the poll. Amazon has got a 76% approval rating. Russia has got a 10% approval rating, just to put it in perspective. The Department of Justice has got a 48% approval rating. Isn't that interesting? More than half of America does not have a favorable viewing of the Department of Justice. Also interesting is only 47% have a favorable viewing of uh, view of Facebook. Only 44% have a favorable view of Black Lives Matter. I'm surprised it's that high. Antifa only has a 12% favorable viewing rating. When asked about what would you say is the most important issues facing the country today? Now, each person that they polled were asked to pick three items. The most important issue facing the country today, inflation, price increase. Second was economy and jobs. Immigration was third. Surprisingly, coronavirus was fourth, although it dropped down to 17%. Crime and drugs was tied with coronavirus. Uh, healthcare at 15%. That was next. Guns was pretty far down the list. That was like eighth. Women's rights, 10th. Race relations. I mean, that's all the media talks about, right, is how bad race, race relations are. Uh, that came in about... Uh, 13th at 8%. Income inequality, that came at 14th at 7%. Political correctness, that came at 5%. Policing, policing, that was second to last at 4%. I mean, what this poll tells you, and again, this is, this poll was a Harvard-Harris poll. This tells you that what middle America is concerned with is far afield from what progressives and the mainstream media is captivated by. Um, when it came to looking at polling for the upcoming election, if the Republican presidential primary 2024 election was held today, who would you vote for in the GOP? Donald Trump, 41%. Ron DeSantis, 12%. Mike Pence, 7%. Nikki Haley, 4%. Ted Cruz, 4%. Donald Trump clearly out front. Next question. If Trump does not run, who would you vote for? Ron DeSantis, 25%. Mike Pence, 15%. Ted Cruz, 9%. In the Democrat race, I don't know who they're going to run. They don't have anybody. The only person on this list that you could possibly stand would be Joe Manchin. But on the Democrat side, Joe Biden, 23%, Kamala Harris, 9%, Bernie Sanders, 8%. In fact, don't know or unsure comes in at 22%. Joe Biden comes in at 23%. Joe Manchin at 4%. And you got all the other... I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's in there. Stacey Abrams is in there. You actually would mention her. Uh, if Biden does not run again, which if he's fogging a mirror at the time, maybe he'll run. I don't know. 
Uh, if he doesn't run, Kamala Harris came at 19 percent. Hillary Clinton then comes in at 10 percent. And second, Bernie Sanders at 10 percent and third. Um, Trump wins uh, a hypothetical horse race versus Biden or Harris. If the 2024 election for president were held today and it was between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, who would you vote for? Donald Trump, 45 percent. Joe Biden, 42 percent. Don't know, 13 percent. I am shocked. I am shocked that Joe Biden would get 42 percent. If the 2024 election for president were held today and it was between Trump and Kamala Harris, Trump gets 47%, Kamala Harris gets 40%. Uh, you guys go drag me for this, huh? Okay. <laughs> if the 2024 election were for president were held today and it was between Ron DeSantis and Kamala Harris, the Democrat, who would you vote for? Believe it or not, I, who did they who did they poll in this? <laughs> Believe it or not, they got Kamala Harris beating Ron DeSantis. Now, one of the, <laughs> one of the reasons that I mean, the average person that you poll out there, I mean, if you went out on the street and asked a hundred people who is Ron DeSantis, you might get twenty five that could identify him as the uh, governor of Florida. About 6 in 10 voters say Biden should favor fiscal responsibility over entitlement expansion. Isn't that curious? Do you think Joe Biden should continue to press for significant expansion in entitlements? Uh, 63% said no. 37% said yes. Do you favor or oppose trying to reach a balanced budget? Or is that not necessary? Those in favor of a balanced budget, 74%. 26% would oppose a balanced budget. Should President Biden continue to block the Keystone Pipeline? 68% said no. Should Biden keep his current energy policies? 65% said no. Again, I'm surprised that 35% said yes. Overall, how serious of an issue do you think inflation is right now? Very serious, 68%. Somewhat serious, 27%. So over 90% think it's either serious or very serious. What is primarily to blame in the surge for inflation? Now, all we hear about is it's Vladimir Putin, right? Well, believe it or not, 25% do think it's Vladimir Putin. However, 47% thinks it is Joe Biden and his administration. Will relaxing regulations on drilling of gas and oil in the United States help bring down inflation? 73% said yes. Do you think a new bill with trillions in added spending on social programs and new taxes would reduce inflation or increase inflation? Reduce inflation, 39%. Increase inflation, 61%. In other words, Joe who says, oh, pass my bills, help reduce inflation. 61% uh, of the American population think you're full of it, Joe. Which would do the most to curb crime and violence? Tougher prosecution and sentencing of armed criminals. That came in at 82%. Revamping our mental health system to get more mental health issues, more mentally ill off the streets. That came in at 73%. Added gun laws, less than half, 45%. 
Uh, all in all, interesting polling, and I, I've just hit the uh, tip of the iceberg on some of these questions, but all in all, what's interesting about this, again, is that the uh, mid, mid-America, the average men and women out there in America do not think like the mainstream media thinks. They do not buy what the progressives are selling. Yet it still is it's fascinating to me that still you have 40-some percent that would vote for Kamala Harris and only 30-some percent that would vote, vote for Ron DeSantis. And again, I think it's name recognition. The average person just isn't informed of what's going on in politics. But when it comes to Donald Trump, yeah, he, he does prevail over Biden and Kamala Harris. But frankly, I'm surprised it wasn't by more than it was. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views for uh, Memorial Day Friday. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. New polling is out and found uh, that Republican Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney is down 30 points to her Republican challenger. Cheney's opponent, Harriet Hagman, who has been endorsed by Trump, has 56% of the vote. uh, Cheney, 26%. Yeah. I think Liz might be uh, going back home to Wyoming. Although, she ran in Wyoming. I mean... When was the last time she actually lived there? I mean, she was living in Washington full-time. She runs in Wyoming. She's been serving in Washington, D.C. She was living there with her family before she ran as a representative from Wyoming. So she probably won't be going back to Wyoming. She'll probably be a talking head on CNN uh, out of D.C. after she's uh, unelected. Daily Wire is reporting testimony in the case of former Hillary Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman wrapped up earlier today. John Durham's team of prosecutors and Sussman's defense team made closing arguments. Prosecutors told the jury that the evidence of Sussman's guilt is overwhelming. There are sometimes cases are close, said prosecutor Andrew, Andrew DeFlippis. This is not even, even close to being a close case. Defense attorneys, on the other hand, portrayed Sussman as a victim and said prosecutors were manipulating facts to make Sussman appear guilty of a crime he never committed. Quote, the special counsel's office bought a snowmaking machine and blew that all over the lawn. They want you to think it snowed, defense attorney Sean Berkowitz said, according to Fox News. Listen, I'm not an attorney, but... I've got some common sense. If the best defense you can come up with is to say that the special counsel bought a snowmaking machine and they're trying to make you think it's snowing, if that's your best defense, you're in trouble. (laughs) Now, granted, uh, again, the judge in this case allowed... Hillary Clinton supporters and uh, another supporter that had a very questionable background. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. I I, I hope that those I, I really do hope that the jury uh, can be honest as they uh, decide this case. I'm not holding my breath. 
By the way, um, after revelations in this case came up, former Rolling Stone reporter Matt Taibbi asked an obvious question, shouldn't Hillary Clinton be banned from Twitter now? Taibbi's piece asked why the revelation that Clinton herself facilitated the start of the media's Russia's collusion hoax. Why isn't it bigger news, he asked. The article also included a damning video compilation of many times the media parroted Clinton's Trump-Russia collusion talking points. They did. They were willing idiots for the Hildebeest. Last week in the trial of former campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, prosecutor Andrew DeFlippis asked ex-campaign manager Robbie Mook about the decision to share with a reporter a bogus story about Trump and Russia's Alpha Bank. Mook answered by giving his one-time boss up, saying, I discussed it with Hillary, he said, describing his pitch to the candidate. Quote, hey, you know we have this and we want to share it with a reporter. She agreed to that. Taibbi added, quoting uh, Mook, obviously this isn't Watergate. Hillary Clinton was never president, and Sussman's trial doesn't equate to the prosecution of people like Chuck Colson and Gordon Liddy. But as we've slowly been learning for years, a massive fraud was perpetrated on the public with Russiagate, Taibbi said. And he goes on to say, well, listen, uh, you've thrown all these Republicans off for, quote, lying. This is the biggest lie that we've seen coming down the pike yet. And Hillary Clinton gets away with it? Again, I, 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 I've never heard of this guy, Matt Taibbi, but he used to write for Rolling Stone. I don't read a lot of articles out of Rolling Stone, but uh, is is the mainstream, at least this journalist, is he starting to get it? Is it, uh, it is pretty obvious. Uh, I, again, when will the mainstream media even cover this trial with Sussman? They haven't yet. NBC, CNN, CBS, ABC, MSNBC. They're not covering it. The Washington Post, New York Times, they're not covering it. Hey, have a great Memorial Day.